Peaches come from a can, ladies and gents. Welcome to the Football Ramble. Arsenal beat Newcastle and fizzes off to Miami. It's Tuesday, 19th of January. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Vidushin Hunteraja. Welcome, one and all. It's time for a terrific Tuesday, and Andrew and Vitushin are with me. Boyses, how the dickens are you? I'm Over pretty good. I feel... moon. Yeah. <laughs> Over the moon. Yeah. Over the moon. Sell some double glazing. Yeah. What? Sell some double glazing. Yeah. What are you talking about? Oh, what? The, what's what's the the, the, the comedy what are you show? Where... Me? What are you driving me with that chat for, Andy? The, early on the, in the show, the comedy show where they call each other boysies all the time. Oh, Blackadder. Oh. Now, chaps, did you see? <laughs> did you see? He, he, he gets younger as he gets older. It's European football's, uh, uh, what's he called? Who was, the, who was the, what was the film Brad Pitt played? Benjamin Button. Button. Benjamin Button. European football's Benjamin Button. Zlatan Ibrahimovic scoring two goals for AC Milan last night. Back on top of the league. Vish, what if I told you that he'd scored 24 goals in 33 appearances since rejoining the Rossoneri in 2019? You'd be very impressed, wouldn't you? I mean, I would be. He's just, he's a walking meme, isn't he? He's meme manifest. And uh-huh. he's taken he's all of us, machine. all the doubters, all the doubters yeah. are being taken down one by one. And it's bloody ridiculous. What I particularly enjoyed, though, not only that this was his first start since um, the injury, so first start for a couple of months, um, not only that it took Milan clear um, at the top of the league again, but the, the second goal was fantastic because, of course, wins the penalty, scores the penalty for the for the first one. Second one, initially flagged offside, and then the VAR goes back and finds out that he's actually onside. Goal is given. And normally when a VAR goal is given, it's a little bit like at the Oscars, give or take the Samuel L. Jackson one, where they're focusing on the winner (laughs) and they seem already calm and then go bonkers and they have the goal moment all over again. Whereas Zlatan's first instinct is is, is not, yes, we've scored. It's right, linesman, you're on my list now. (laughs) I'm I'm going to prove you wrong. It's, honestly, all joking aside, it is absolutely different gravy granules. This scoring record is phenomenal. It's it, it's ridiculous. The man goes on and on. Anyway, got to say that before we move on to Arsenal Newcastle, because we wanted a bit of cheer. We wanted a bit of footballing fun uh, before we get on uh, to this. So yes, uh, back in the Premier League, Arsenal beating Newcastle three nil. Well, even though there was three goals, Vish, it wasn't the most riveting of games, but fair play to Arsenal. They're they're picking up wins now, aren't they? It's looking a little bit uh, rosier in uh, that part of North London. It is, yeah, yeah. I was um, I was at the matinee performance in the FA Cup last week, <laughs> and I did think, God, who's going to turn up for this? Um, yeah. <laughs> thankfully, uh, they did. Um, I, I mentioned this on the show actually. Cause I think I was on the ramble the day after this game, and Steve Bruce was talking about how he saw like you know, different tactical shifts that Newcastle could adopt. Um, obviously, they didn't against Sheffield United, and they didn't do that here either. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, sorry, you, you did ask me about Arsenal, and yeah, it's quite exciting. And like, you know, the t- Emil Smith-Rowe obviously did really well, and, and Saka has been consistent for a while now. And, you know, I was thinking yesterday that like, this is a kind of, that was a kind of performance where all around the ground, you'll get that chant of, you know, he's one of our own, they're one of mm-hmm. our own. Because, mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I think that's something that Arsenal have been lacking for a while. And you see from Arsenal Twitter and stuff like that, all the chat about Hayland this and Hayland that. Um, and it's quite a good way when things aren't going well to suddenly build up that, that goodwill, you know, almost into a sprint. Um, so yeah, you know, good performance from Arsenal, more of the same dianess from Newcastle. Yeah, before we get to Newcastle, Andy, well, how about this? Willian became the Brazilian player with the most appearances in the Premier League's history, 248. The most, uh, yeah, the, the, the Brazilian has played in the Premier League the most. That's quite remarkable, actually. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that, Andy. It is quite remarkable. Um, uh, it's a reminder of how good he's been globally in, in England, I think, which is worth reminding. I'm not sure I would have tweeted it out having said that, because, I mean, some of the comments are just, well, I, I, I mean, you, you can fill it in yourself without seeing it, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. But um, I, I think it is worth recalling that even if he's had his, in modern parlance, he's having his difficult moment at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he has been absolutely t- terrific in the Premier League. And, you know, you think for Willian, a few years down the line, when <laughs> his, his spell with Arsenal is maybe just a, a footnote in his career history, um, it'll, it'll be like Petr Cech, I suppose, but more so. You know, the, the, the fact that he will be remembered for those years at Chelsea where he gave so much and and was so good. But, you know, it, it seemed a weird thing to to sort of make, not, not the headline, but to, to, to come out and make part of the discussion on the game because it's such a, a I guess, piece of minutiae because... It was really all about uh, Saka and, mm-hmm. and, and Smith Rowe. They, they, they were fantastic. I mean, Saka has been a, a good and an important Arsenal first teamer for a while. But Smith Rowe, I've, I've been a bit blindsided by it, to be honest. I mean, I've known about him for a long time. I've seen little bits of him that suggest he could be like, useful in the future. He feels like he's gone from naught to a hundred really quickly to me, and you know they, they they say how overnight successes never are overnight successes. There's so much work behind them, but um, you know he, he, he talked and he was encouraged, wasn't he, afterwards by um, Jamie Carragher to talk about his his loan spells, um, the ones at Leipzig and, and and Huddersfield, but at Leipzig it was really really frustrating. You know they were expecting more from him. He was stymied by injury the whole time he was there. And I wondered how much he, he really did take from that. I'll, I'll be interested to hear what his thoughts were on the off-pitch part of it, you know, what what he maybe learned from that. Because Leipzig is a place where I thought, and I suspect Arsenal thought, he would do pretty well in terms of um, training and professionalism and vibing off other young players, which clearly he's doing at the moment with some of the players a- a- around him. But actually, when um, we went over to Leipzig to do an at the match there, and he was on loan there at the time, so this must have been well, coming up two years ago now. Um, so I, I guess February 19. And um, I remember coming in the stadium and um, on these big screens they have everywhere on in the uh, media area there, um, they have like an in-house TV channel where um, they have a man in a red coat because everything mm. has to be red for the Red Bulls. Yeah, um, bloody good rep. Uh, <laughs> 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 they have this guy in a, in a sort of middle-aged man in a, a red coat and a red tie. Yeah, I know. It's good to have things to aim for for someone such as myself. Mm-hmm. Um uh, sort of presenting this show and in the background there was someone in an anorak 
playing a, a teenager in an anorak playing um, table football. I thought, oh, he's a competition winner and they're going to have him play one of the players. And it was Emil Smith-Rowe. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> there he was, uh, fish. Uh, that, was, that was pretty much a higher point uh, at Leipzig. But I, I think from going from promise and having a few good games into the Europa League to coming to this point where I'm sure we're going to come onto how terrible Newcastle were in a, in a, in a minute, but to come to from that point very quickly to the point where you're dominating Premier mm. League games, it's so, so impressive. And obviously it couldn't have been better timed with the with the exit of Ozil. Yeah, I mean, exactly, Vish. You, you, seldom do we see English players with that kind of style. So it's that's quite refreshing. But as Andy said, you know, he's... It's not like he was, um, you know, he had a full season at Leipzig, at Leipzig rather. I know he played a, a bit at Huddersfield, but seeing him and Saka combining is that. I don't, I don't want to, want to be a little bit presumptuous here and put too much pressure. But is that what we saw there? Is that going to win England the Euros? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, England were already going to win the Euros, don't they? So we might win four 0 in the final. <laughs> So that's the way I see it. Yeah, there's. Um, I, I was thinking about this yesterday um, when you know when I was watching them and just the kind of way that they were they were moving so freely. And I kind of wondered actually that have Arsenal happened upon this in that because mm. they've been performing so badly, they've kind of forced you know Mikel's ha- Mikel Arteta's hand has kind of been forced yeah. here because you know their recruitment has been piss poor they have tried to bring in established first teamers and it hasn't worked out and they you know what probably a little bit lucky if if you can say that about you know having a crop of youngsters who are clearly match ready because you could well, that can happen bit. in football we've seen that many times before well, i mean you, you could see that with chelsea last season yeah, you know possibly, it doesn't yeah. necessarily have the impact that he's having now where he's not allowed those first Almost a little bit of a free hit. Nothing's ever quite a free hit at that level. I mean, but he had I mean. worked with Lampard before, hadn't he? But yeah, I take the point you're you're saying. But you know, he's. Like, but, I mean, you know, playing for Chelsea. You know, when mm. they've with their um with their might and ambitions. Um, mm-hmm. and it was. I thought it was really interesting in Smith Rowe's interview at the end. He talked about how him and Saka usually play like that, and I wondered actually because of the way that I suppose not all Arsenal fans, but the way that say like Arsenal social media, Arsenal Twitter are that you could tell a lot of the players, a lot of the established players have been put, you know, their backs have been put out by it. Um, and some have harnessed it for their own good and, and some haven't. Some find themselves on the wrong end of it, like Zaka, for example. And I wondered if it would create a situation where the younger generation were pitted against the older generation mm-hmm. in the dressing room as well, or maybe behind the scenes. And so I thought it was really um, instructive that one of the players, or the, rather the one player that Smithrow said was having a big impact with him in terms of talking to him on and off the field was Lacazette who's someone who has been panned, not necessarily in this pod, not necessarily by Mr. Brassel, um, certainly someone <laughs> who has been, you know, in Name the firing line for criticism. And I thought it was really interesting that Lacazette's upturn in form has, has, has um, you know, come alongside these youngsters coming to the team and he's clearly having quite a big effect on them as well. Mm, absolutely right. Um, gentlemen, let's turn our attention to Newcastle United. Steve Bruce, he said that uh, he, he, he wanted to do things his way. The formation, Andy, looked a little bit incoherent, one could say. Had Andy Carroll, Joel Linton, Wilson, Almiron all starting. So it looked like it would be quite attacking, but ultimately they lost 3-0 and didn't score any goals. And uh, I'm beginning to see what Pete Donaldson's been moaning about all this time now <laughs> with Steve Brown. I'm beginning to think he's not doing an all right job. Is, is this the um, Barcelona-Bayern 
Champions League quarterfinal for you, you know, where <laughs> ba- Barcelona fans have their moment where, yeah, yeah mm. we're not mad. It's actually happening to the rest yes. of the world. <laughs> Indeed. Um, it's, it's, it's funny. There's been some really interesting stuff written about this, I think, in, in, in the last couple of days, notably um, through uh, Chris War and, and, and George Culkin in The Athletic, I think. But... Um, it, 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 the view of Steve Bruce is really interesting, isn't it? Because I, I know we, it's easy to set it up as, um, you know, he's got a lot of mates in the game who want to back him and Newcastle fans will say those people simply don't get it and don't want to get it. Mm. I, I think it's maybe slightly more nuanced than that because you've got, you've got to realise why Steve Bruce has got a lot of mates in the game. It's because he's essentially a good man. And I think yeah. that's worth reiterating here. And you look at his relationships with um, players. It's, it's interesting. I just read, read the um, Nicholas Bentner book a while back. And it, it comes out of that so well, Steve Bruce. Bentner absolutely loves him. And he really oh, does Bentner try. Bentner and Brucey, come on. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what a combo. Now, that would be a comeback, wouldn't it? Yeah. Imagine both of them being carried out of a club with their trousers falling down. (laughs) Why have you gone there? What do you think? Because of of the Bentner thing. Do you not remember that? Why are you you saying Bruce is doing that? Well, because he's, you know, he's he's one of their best mates, probably. Bruce turned up without his trousers on. We've we've already <laughs> talked about his mates in the media, and Marcus is very much part of that. So, <laughs> so let's not go there. When you say something like that about a man like Bruce, <laughs> <laughs> a little Brucey bonus, wouldn't it? I know. I, yeah. Well, go on, Andy. I, I do just think um, you, you can be um, a nice guy and likable and a, mm-hmm. a good man, and not a great coach, and not a great coach for a particular situation. And I think one of the major issues that Newcastle United fans have have had with Steve Bruce, and I, I do think, good guy or not, there's there's a lot of misinformation coming out. I mean, this stuff about him needing to do it his way. Whose whose way was it before? Was Mike Ashley pick, picking the team? Was yeah. Lee Charnley picking the team? Was Joe Ellington picking the team? I, I, I don't know, but um, it it did feel that this was change for change's sake in in this particular game that he he felt he had to react to the Sheffield United game but he didn't exactly mm. know how he was going to do it and you talked about that front four or four-ish however it was or two of those players um um I, I think Joe Ellington and Almiron are just in positions that are completely unsuited to them and I know Steve Bruce said oh well we defended well first half I kind of felt that Arsenal aren't really at that uber-confident point yet, and nor should they be because they're still building towards something. But I felt that Arsenal were the better team in the first half and then probably at halftime had a bit of a, you know what, these are there for the taking. Let's stop mucking about. Come on. And mm. it, it felt like that to me. And in the, in the thing that um, the aforementioned Chris Wall wrote this morning, in all the terrible metrics that Newcastle have this season, which show a how ineffective they are and B, how terrible they are to watch. All of those numbers were even worse last night, which after a game like they had at Sheffield United is, you know, pretty bad. Gentlemen, Meza Ozil has finally left Arsenal. That's official now. He uh, he's, he's you know, he described his move to Fenerbahce as, as a dream come true when he landed in Istanbul on Sunday. Uh, what... Much has been made about Ozil's time at Arsenal in general, but 
particularly this last year or so. Andy, what what do you what kind of taste does this leave in your mouth? A bit of uh, a bit of sort of regret that the fact it's sort of happened like this, or are you, are you feeling happy for him? You know, what are your thoughts? I, th- I think the the whole situation hasn't been handled brilliantly um, mm. from any of the sides. I, I do have a a degree of sympathy for Ozil and we've discussed that on here already. Um, but I, I think he's kind of laying it on a bit thick now. It's interesting because uh, Fenerbahce are, are doing a program on his arrival on their YouTube channel tonight mm-hmm. and um, they've released a taster of it on social media this morning. And the whole bit that they've used as the trailer is him walking around the Emirates in the rain having his photo taken and kind of looking up wistfully at it, sort of saying goodbye. I, I don't really know what the aim of that is. If it's to say, look, Fenerbahce fans, what I uh, walked out on for you or, or, or whatever. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's really weird. It's, mm. it's strange. Yeah. I mean, Fish, what do you reckon? I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think some people have defended us and say the club has treated him badly and they kind of find it funny that, the way he makes these little pops on Twitter uh, about stuff. And don't get me wrong, I, you know, you know, I find the humour in that as well. But I sort of look at this as a little bit like Gareth Bale. I'm sure the situations will have their their differences, perhaps quite profoundly, but there are similarities there, at least ostensibly. And I think you know, Özil, phenomenal player. You know what kind of talent he's had. He's he's had some great times at Arsenal, but I sort of. I sort of think no matter how how the club has responded in the same way with Gareth Bale, I also look at the player and think, what have you been doing to make the club react like this? Because he has to take some responsibility with the fact that he's just hardly kicked a ball in the last year or so. You say that, but isn't this... Isn't this where we are with with certain players that, that actually... No, he doesn't have to take any responsibility. Like He might deep down think that he's wasted opportunities or he might know deep down that he's at mm-hmm. fault but I don't think ever publicly or you know ever in his life after football is he gonna have to sit down and really come to terms with a wasted year um I don't really know what to think of it to be honest part of me is happy that he's gone elsewhere because someone of his talent not playing is, is a waste for all of us in my opinion yeah. I'm, I'm, that might be a bit twee but I, I genuinely believe that and then at the same time I just think if that's a club you support, uh, you know, I wonder what Jim Jim thinks of this, but if that's a club you support, whether you want him in the team or not, you're probably just glad it's over. Oh, Jim, Jim definitely, he said that yesterday. Over. He said he was yeah. glad that it was over. I, th- I don't think anybody, look, I'm pleased for Ozil that he's going somewhere that he wants to go. And I genuinely want him to have a good time there because he's a brilliant player. And also he's a fellow human being for crying out loud. But I just think, Andy, that, that in, in this day and age where, especially in like, you know, without being... Without sounding too uh, unnecessary on the situation, you know, especially in in the Western world, we, we, you know, we're in the age of the kind of extreme individual, if you like, and so people will will defend him and sort of blame the nasty football club and and whatnot. And as I say, there may be elements of that, the way it's been handled and whatnot. But I, I just can't help but think if a player is putting his all or at least some of his all into training and all the rest of it, it wouldn't have ended like this. Um, I, yeah, I'm a bit on the fence about this actually, because okay. I, I, I think the way in which he dropped out of the Arsenal picture was actually pretty sudden. 
the other side of lockdown. So to me, mm-hmm. it suggests there's a financial imperative and very much like, I think you're right to make the Gareth Bale comparison because um, the thing the two players have in common is pretty much before the ink was dry on their contract extensions, the signing club regretted giving them that extension and then spent mm. a lot of the remaining time trying to turf them out. I don't think it's a particularly constructive situation, a particularly um, good situation for a, a a player to play their best when they're, they're basically at an employer who is skating quite close to constructively dismissing them. You know, they're mm. doing everything they can to make them uncomfortable, to not just to disc- to get rid of them, but to discredit them and yeah. to make them look like shit in front of the fan base. And so that's something where I do have sympathy for Ozil. But I think if you look at the reality of it and you look at the reality of Bale's situation since he's arrived back at Tottenham to, to continue the comparison, I thought it was really interesting the way you, you put it there, Marcus, when you said, we know the talent that Ozil has had. We don't actually know if it's there anymore because mm. we've not seen him play regularly and as a centrepiece for, for so long. Now, make no mistake about this. Fenerbahce have absolutely bet the farm on this and then some. They're in a ton of debt. Even if they're paying him a, a massive discount from what Arsenal are, are paying him, which is, is going to be the case, um, they're taking a huge gamble. And even though I suspect, as we're going to find out in the next couple of days through the, the Turkish Stock Exchange, um, it will be performance and bonus weighted quite heavily, just like when Galatasaray signed um, Didier Drogba or Wesley Snyder or more recently Radamel Falcao. But Fenerbahce have got a pretty good team this season. They're level on points at the top of the league. They've got a really good young attacking coach in Errol Balut. They've got some decent players. I'm looking forward already to the dream combination between Ozil and Papis Dembasise, and don't pretend you're not feeling the same. <laughs> but the fact is, there is, there is no other way but for him to lead them to the league. Otherwise, it's going to be a dreadful failure this this, this season. Yeah. And it's a dreadful failure that it would be a dreadful failure that they really can't afford. In fact, if it's a glorious victory, it's a glorious victory that they can't afford. But that's, yeah. that's a different story. It's not the first time a Turkish club's done that and it won't be the last. Right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a break. I'm Martin Keown, and you're listening to Football Ramble. Yeah, maybe just one small bit of the Football Ramble. That'd be all right. Hi. I'm Martin Keown, and you're listening to the Football Ramble. I'm Martin Keown. Keown. Oh, he's good, isn't he, ladies and gentlemen? I think well, that's the one that gets me. That's the one that gets me every <laughs> single time. Just to ask him to do it again, and then and then rinsing him behind his back by remixing it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Football Ramble, everybody. Now it's time for emails. Right, I've got an email from Richard in Cape Town. I spread bovril on my buttered toast with scrambled egg. It's bloody delicious and I highly recommend it. Right, so I'm going to come in here and say that I've been I've been listening to the Bovril chat, playing close attention, and only while playing close attention did I realise that Bovril was not meant for spreading because as a Marmite man, I would always eat Marmite, and every now and again, my mum would accidentally buy Bovril, 
and I just used the Bovril. I didn't know this wasn't a thing you do. Ah. <laughs> Deary, man. You know what this is like? This is like using kitchen roll as toilet roll if we're talking yeah. about supermarket <laughs> errors. <laughs> That's quite. I always thought that was quite high-end, actually. <laughs> I imagine that like, celebs use charm. What posh people do. <laughs> yeah. That's because it's very low Bounty. End, Strong um, soaker upper. Andy, Andy, for crying out loud, you have an email. I do. It's from Phil, who slid into Luke's DMs with a golden tail from his play-by-mail days. I took up play-by-mail when I was maybe eight or nine. Oh, weird. Uh, But I I didn't get my first choice team, Barnsley, and was given Chesterfield every boy's dream. It was all right for a bit, but the first time I rang up to make a transfer, a woman answered, and I asked for the name on the paper. The bloke who was manager of Stockport or something, she was polite enough, but then her and the bloke had an absolutely blazing row for about 10 minutes. Honestly, a junior school age me was stunned by the language. After a bit, I started saying, hello, hello, but they were just screaming at each other. Oh, <laughs> My dad came into the room because I've been on the phone for ages and not really said anything. Asked what was happening. I just said, I don't know. They're arguing a lot. He put the phone down for me and I never played again. You see, oh. I thought I was subjected to terrible things over the telephone when I was a kid with uh, club call. Where you'd, uh, oh, club called Blimey. Did, did, did either of you guys have that, or were you a bit young for that? Where you know, I, like... I, rem- I remember Club Call. I never used it. Yeah, I, I remember it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'd phone I, up I, and you get, you get I never used it. It's pre internet. But you phone up yeah. and they tell you information that you probably already knew about your club, I assume. Well, no, you, you say that actually, but mm. this was pre internet. So uh, there wasn't yeah. such a free flow of information. So it was worth every one of those. 58 pence a minute or or, or <laughs> however it was uh, obviously when um the, the way it was presented from. it was like uh you can find out what is going to happen at your club wimbledon fc yeah next yeah, exactly it's bollocks total bollocks it, teletext <laughs> yeah. was where you got all your info teletext was the the pre-runner to the internet and it doesn't get the credit it deserves damn it all um <laughs> but there we are ladies and gentlemen show at footballramble.com is where you can email us your nonsense. Uh, right, gentlemen, let's move on to uh, some transfers that have been happening. We've talked about uh, a high-profile player from Arsenal going to Turkey. That hasn't actually been officially confirmed, I should say, but it's due to be. Well, another um, man is swapping London for Turkey. It's Danny Drinkwater. Danny Drinkwater moving to Turkish side Kasim Pasha, uh, just on loan, of course. And you were there not that long ago. Yeah, um, me and photographer Sam went to see uh, Fene- uh, Kazim Pasha play against Fenerbahce, actually. Yeah. Um, we didn't at the match. You can still find it out, out there. And um, Kazim Pasha was super fun. I really enjoyed it. It was the one where um, it, we talked about the Paso League system before, where you have to have an ID card to buy a ticket. Now, yeah. the press box held about 10 people. So we had to buy tickets to get in because we couldn't squeeze into the the, the press box. But the Passer League system um, had some sort of glitch in it on the day. And so the guys at the ticket office said, well, you know what? There's an offer in the club shop. And if you spend 99 Turkish lira on something, um, you get a free match ticket. 99 Turkish lira at the time was like a tenner. So um, me and Sam went in there and uh, bought Kasim Pasha shirt off the sale rail each and uh, got in. It was good. Oh, that's delightful. That's lovely stuff. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was going to, I thought that was, when you said there was a glitch, I thought you had like hacked in. You were going a bit Jason Bourne there, you two. 
<laughs> well, look, I'm, I'm not suggesting that that's the way that Danny Drinkwater is going to have to get into the stadium by, uh, by buying a shirt. But, um, you know, I, I think after the, the, the last year or so that he's had, um, he's probably open to anything, right? What part? What um, that part of Turkey? What is it like culturally? Well, th- this is um, this is Istanbul, Rish. So th- this is the okay. most central club in Istanbul. You can walk there from Taksim Square in about um, probably ten fifteen minutes, and um, you can get a McDuran burger on the way. But I definitely wouldn't recommend that. Um, what is that? It's, well, you know how McDonald's have like themed burgers. They they had a Durum one. Which obviously was meant to appeal to the cultural sensibilities of, what's, what's of Turkey. Explain that. Explain that to me. It's it's it's, it's um like sort of diced meat. Okay. Is it good? In a, in, in, in Is a it bread. better than a fillet of fish? <laughs> no, let's not do that. Let's not. Come on, let's not do this. God, we're all getting along. Everyone was getting along. You know, we're all being quite friendly. Tough times for everyone, isn't it? Got to remember that. It you is. Don't need to be. Slating off things that are godly, that we know are godly. Yeah, True enough. Just, well, I'm just pleased Danny Drinkwater's hopefully going to get some uh, some airtime because, my goodness, we know he's a decent player. Well, still, we hope he is. But, uh, yeah, it's the 18 months deal. Uh, it's 18 months left on his Chelsea contract, for crying out loud. Marcus, so, uh, isn't needs- it funny how we're talking about players who, you just said there, we, we think are still decent because mm. we haven't seen them play for a bit. I mean, is this something we think is going to happen more and more over the next little while as clubs try and push out players Mm. who they just can't afford to have on the books anymore. And you get more of that sense of, oh, he's a good player, or he was the last time I saw him play, which was a very long time ago. Well, yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. When when players are signed on those vast wages that you you mentioned about Özil and Bale, you think, well, what other options have they got? I mean, on mm. on a similar, slightly similar note, Jack Wilshere has re-signed with Bournemouth on a short contract until the end of the season. He's been he's been training with them in recent weeks, and he impressed Jason Tindall with his fitness. Um, Tindall, I quite like this, believes, talking to Jason Bournemouth, that Wilshere has unfinished business at Bournemouth. <laughs> Jason yeah. Bournemouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure that's why he's gone. Yeah, I th- I'm sure Jack Wilshere <laughs> sat back and thought, thought, look at all these worlds I've conquered. Oh no, look, there's Bournemouth. <laughs> I can't. I, I mean, it is easy to to shit on Jack Wilshere, so I'm going to try and avoid that. Although it was interesting. No, I, don't, that, I don't think we are. I think we. Yeah. No. Well, steady on. I've, I've not all gone right. yet. but i I spoke to a mate of mine who supports west ham and he was like generally the best thing he did at the club was when he hid in a washing machine and scared declan rice (laughs) and then that was yeah but that was particularly good though though. yeah and but then he he even he even caveated that and said yeah but to be fair declan rice is quite easy to scare and then he reminded me of the mason mount video where (laughs) (laughs) terrified him on holiday there's um so you you know we we talk a lot about you know the way that the football has moved on and it's been quite easy to talk about that because of the way Leeds are playing for example and also the way that teams at the the bottom end of the at the table want to play like Fulham and Brighton and whatever um do you get the sense or am I just trying to overthink this do you get the sense that Jack Wilshire as someone who would have thrived in that particular or rather in this particular era had he been say a 23 year old right now or is there like an element to the game that has passed him by for example like was he not able to be as consistently physical as he you know as he needed to be hence all the injuries or am I just being a bit too 
wistful about one game that everyone goes on about against Barcelona. <laughs> yeah. for, for me, it's, it's injuries completely, I, I, I think, because I think the difference between his breakthrough at Arsenal and the bit that follows the first major injury after that is absolutely key in understanding why it's not really worked for him going forward. I mean, I, I know like that his, his fitness issues have, have, have been have been terrible. But I think what made the biggest difference to the way he played is when he first came in to the, the Arsenal setup, you saw the way he could glide away from players. And I, I suppose it makes mm. you feel a bit wistful looking at Emil Smith-Rowe now, even though they're sort of different types of players. Um, the, the, the fact that Wilshire could not only find the pass, but he could go on the dribble and get away from two or three defenders. Now, when he got to that second bit of his Arsenal career where he's sort of rehabilitated and trying to, again, carve a place in the Arsenal team, he no longer has that burst of acceleration to get away from players. So, A, he gets frustrated. B, he gets kicked more. And C, it limits his flow in the game. So I think all of those things, I, I think, are very, very difficult things to get over. Well, gentlemen, all this talk of, of players who we think, are they still good? Can they still cut it? One man that we know can is Fizzer, Phil Neville. He's off to Miami. My giddy aunt, it's a match made in heaven. Beckham is getting the band back together. That's something that we... In fact, he won't get the band back together because there's no way Paul Scholes is going to go out into the Miami sunshine. However, Vish, I put it to you, will we see Fizzer spunking on South Beach? I was... um. I was going through the lyrics of Will Smith's Miami and I yeah, thought this sounds were. exactly like Phil Neville's vibe actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's, this scream, Miami screams of Phil Neville. Yeah. All this talk of seeing Dominican women with cinnamon tans. That's right up Phil Neville street. <laughs> That's what he does, mate. That's all about him. Honestly, yeah. if you're building an MLS team in a place like that, yeah. given, you know, for example, the Miami heat and, 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 and Jimmy Butler as their token of cool and just, out and out brilliant and bombasticness. Imagine going for Phil Neville and thinking, yeah, that's our manager. Yeah. There he is. <laughs> it does seem a strange appointment, Andy. I mean, obviously a lot has been put into into Miami and trying to build the brand and whatnot. And there's there's talk of, you know, some, some big stars arriving. They've already got Higuain there. And uh, is Matweedy still there? I think he is. Uh, yeah. And yet they, they, they go for Phil Neville, who stepped down as England women's boss recently. He hadn't been having a good time with the Lionesses. Lost seven in, in their last 11. Although 2019, um, it, was, it wasn't a bad effort in the She Believes Cup. But it, does this surprise you, Andy, a little bit? Uh, yes. Well, I, I guess nothing surprises me in terms of people giving jobs to their mates in, in football. Um, mm. But having said that, I, I totally get where Vish is coming from with um, the, 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 it's kind of juxtaposed to the, Will Smith. the, 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 the glamour of uh, Inter Miami and even the name of the club. You know, it's meant to be cosmopolitan and international. Now, on one hand, I don't think we can do Phil Neville down too much because um, in terms of his willingness um, to be cosmopolitan and to be open, he's shown that before at Valencia. You know, everyone talks about how badly it went for Gary there, but uh, Phil stayed on after Gary went, um, embraced the lifestyle. Um, he, he got oh, Andy, I'm not, I'm not at all, you know, questioning Phil Neville's decision to say, yes, I will go there. I'm, no. I'm merely saying if you're an Inter Miami fan, although maybe they'll think, oh, that's Phil Neville. He played for Manchester United, Everton and England. Maybe they don't know the same fizzer that we do. 
<laughs> well, I, I guess that that's not really what I'm getting at. I'm I'm, I'm okay. not talking about his ability to enjoy it. Clearly, that that, that should be <laughs> that should be pretty high. Yeah. But uh, I, I think in in terms of his ability to um, make some sort of contribution and and, and cross over culturally, I, I think maybe there's there's something in that. However, um, a, a lot of people who follow the England women's team a lot closer than me are not particularly high on his job. Um, that that he did there. Clearly, the end was 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 very poor in, indeed, and um, you, you know, some sometimes he he just does appear that little bit clumsy. I'm I'm looking for reasons to to, to like this appointment, but I can't find a lot because in terms of like, like the way the way he puts himself across, sometimes he's, he's just not that adroit, is he? Mm. Do you think though this is something to do with? With Fizzer saying that um, the the, uh, you know, the the England job, the England ladies' job, was a stepping stone into club management, do you think that that kind of thing, you know, shows his ambition, Vish, <laughs> or is that just disrespectful to uh, to a previous job he now had? Well, there was that, and there was also um, I think it was during a tournament, I can't remember which one, where he said that the team were lucky to have him. <laughs> and I think he he was he was trying to be he was being quite punchy and and he and he said that and I suppose it ties into what Andy said before that he's never been the best that you know uh, at any of these speaking engagements particularly but mm. I mean there there is a sense um, you know when you look at that England women's team that these few years after Mark Sampson have been been wasted and I think you know you look at that team and. There's still a lot left there. To be fair, I think only you know of the of the main players, only Ellen White and Jill Scott, in terms of the attacking midfield, are over thirty, and then Steph Houghton at the back as well. So there's you know there's a lot of youth there, and, and those players have come through over the last couple of years. Um, and you know maybe there's an argument to be made of whether they'd come through with or without Fizzer, and I'm not in a position to make that argument. But it felt like his appointment for the FA was their way of saying, oh, yeah, OK, we, knew, we know that women's football's on the rise. We need to kind of make sure we build on that momentum. And they got a bit greedy, I think, going for a public appointment rather than someone who was actually, you know, capable of doing the job, who actually had history in the game it, on, on both codes, you know, going over, sorry, Phil Neville's CVs. It's pretty weak as it is. Yeah. Um, uh, and, but now they've got a chance to, to rectify that. And, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, but Vish, I, I say it's wasted. Yeah. But Vish, you're, 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 I think you're not seeing the big picture here. In 2018, Messi congratulated Beckham <laughs> for founding into Miami and added on a, who knows, maybe in a few years he will give me a call. Last year, Messi reportedly bought a £7.25 million apartment in a, in a tower in, uh, block in Miami, which boasts a car lift, apparently which is rather impressive. In December, he expressed his desire to play in MLS. Surely this is into Miami thinking, we've got <laughs> Messi in our sights. Who's the man to manage him? Well, do you think, I, I like the way you say that, you know, he bought a flat in Miami because like, people go wild whenever footballers do this as if they were like, it's their only living space. Yeah. Do you reckon he used the help to buy scheme to get it? <laughs> well, He'd been he renting all this time. And it's like, no, I'm, I need to, I need to get on the ladder. I don't know if Florida have a help to buy scheme, but uh, <laughs> I, he hasn't bought one in Manchester as far as I'm aware. Well, do you think, do you think it's the other way around actually? Do you think to get Fizzer, they had to get Messi and they told Possibly. us, look, we'll get him. They whispered well, I, to Fizzer as he would whisper I, to them. <laughs> I think they came as a, they sort of come as a pair really. And if you, if you really think long and hard about it, uh, but would one get the best out of the other? I guess I'm firstly 
uh, there's part of this that makes me think a little bit like when Zlatan, to take it back to the beginning, and Jurgen Klopp came together at that um, award ceremony a couple of years ago when Klopp was still at Dortmund. And uh, Zlatan goes, I play for you for free, coach. I think there's, <laughs> there's a little bit of that to it. Um, so. Secondly, Marcus, I'm very much looking forward to you explaining to me what a car lift is. Yeah. It, um, well, lot you know the ones that we get as people it's like one for cars mate (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not just it's not just that concludes andy today's football (laughs) ramble i will have the final word on that thank you very much If you loved what you heard today, ladies and gentlemen, head over to our Patreon page where there is a lot more shiny bonus content waiting for you. That's right. We have some new offerings for you in store in our Patreon featuring live streams and a brand new episode format with myself and that guy, the car lift guy, Andy Brassel. I'll say no more. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash football ramble and all will be revealed. On tomorrow's show, it's Kate Vish and Pete. So stay tuned for that. Actually, don't stay tuned. It'll just download the new episode for you. Um, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for Tushini Hantaraja. Thank you, Mr. Carlift Expert. <laughs> thank you, Andy Brassel. Thank you, MC Speller. <laughs> thank you, ladies and gentlemen. See you soon. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.